The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Hey, we have an exciting look at Acts chapter 22 today. We're going to talk about regifting. Honest question now, tell the truth. Have you regifted? Have you done it? I have, and I'm not even slightly embarrassed about it. I'll tell you about it in a little bit. But uh, well, before we look at that, I want to talk about something else with you for just for a couple minutes, and that is this word right here, which may or may not actually be a word. We're re-everythinging everything. I uh, just want to talk about the coming schedule. Last two weeks of August, we are going to continue to have our in-person service at the Edwardsburg Sports Complex. Uh, so for two more weeks down there at 10 o'clock, while we are streaming online still at 1045, uh, so, uh, but then when we get into September, the first week of September is Labor Day weekend. We will be back here in the worship center for an in-person service, everybody together on that week. But then after that, when we get into the second week of September, we want to start re-everythinging. What I mean is we would like to see, uh, as many things, uh, ministering again in person as possible. As the elders and I have looked at our community and our uh, the size of our church and even just the attendance as far as folks coming back really feel like it'd be best to get going as much as we can with in-person ministry uh, so we'll be telling you some more about the ladies bible study coming up and small groups starting and every and a youth group going uh, different things like that and then on that second week we're also starting children's ministries here so on the second week of september so again more details coming on that but i want to say with that, and, and I'll try not to say this over and over again, but I want to say it today, and we'll put it out in a letter here this coming week, just I want to make sure that you know that the leadership of the church is not doing this to put pressure on you to come back. What I mean is we are trusting you and respecting your right to make your own decision about that. So please don't feel like in any way this is like saying, well, get yourself back to church. It is time. I want you to make that decision when you are comfortable with it, but feel like our best option as far as caring for the spiritual needs of this church is to get things going in person as much as we can, realizing that, uh, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll be coming back slowly, but we will be coming back. That's good. Now, speaking of coming back, one thing I really want to emphasize, uh, a week from tomorrow, the 24th of August, begins what we want to call a week of prayer. And uh, this, uh, you can find out about this on the website. Uh, also, there's a, a link through the community connection that you can find out. But there's two things I want to encourage you to do. One is, if you have a prayer request for us that you'd like to share with the church family, uh, there's a place to submit those requests. Secondly, every day, I want to encourage everybody to be praying that week. Uh, we're going to call it... Uh, asking heaven at seven or seeking heaven at seven we're doing something calling on heaven at seven but on monday wednesday and friday there will be an in-person prayer meeting here in the auditorium in the worship center at seven o'clock tuesday and thursday that'll be at 7 p.m monday wednesday and friday 7 a.m if you don't want to join us in person or you can't uh, i still encourage you to sign up for this week of prayer and you will get, the night before, uh, each day, you'll get a prayer prompter. We've got five different uh, themes for we're going to pray one day just for the church. We're going to pray for our families. We're going to pray for their schools and teachers. Uh, we're going to pray for the lost. And we're going to pray for something else on the 5th day. I forget what it is. I think our nation. Uh, but uh, but anyway, we're going to go through that. That I want to encourage you uh, to be part of that. If you can join us in person and want to, great for the, for the prayer meetings. If not, maybe you're, you can work your schedule so that you're joining 
keeping us at home, but at the same time. So we're praying together, lifting up our voices to God, or maybe that won't work, but you can just do that on your own. I think you'll enjoy getting these prayer prompters and, and just to guide us through a week of prayer. What a better way to re-everything uh, than to get started with some prayer. So that is the week of the 24th through the 28th. Okay, enough announcement-wise. I am ready to go. You ready to go? I'm, uh, let's talk about this re-gifting idea here. See, when my wife and I got married many, 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 quite a while ago, uh, we did not have the old gift registry, you know, that we didn't do those things. And we got to have, we, we made a killing. We, we had a wedding in New Jersey, a reception in Pennsylvania, and then another one when we got to Indiana. So we got gifts from three different church families. I mean, we made out like crazy. But we didn't get much that we actually wanted, so we had this pile that we kept around for years, and anytime we had to go for a wedding, it was easy. You know, you just go, hey, that would fit them, or it wouldn't fit them. We wouldn't really care because they could return it, or they could re-gift it, whatever. But that kept us in wedding gifts for years. Uh, we were glad to re-gift them. Now, in a sense, I think what Paul is doing in chapter 22 is he's re-gifting. He's taking the story that God gave him, his story that God wrote in his life, Remember that song? I'm going to say her name wrong. I know I'm going to. Francisca Botticelli. Anyway, the lady that sang the song, write your story, write your story, asking God to write that story on our hearts. Well, God is writing a story in your life, and God is writing a story with your life. And what we want to talk about is taking what God has given us, that story, and re-gifting it. Now, re-gifting does not come that natural, or at least sharing does not come that natural. A couple weeks ago, we had a two-year-old birthday party for my grandson, and uh, one of the gifts he got was uh, given to him by his cousin, who is three months younger. I'm not sure he had a great role in picking it out, but, uh, but anyway, when they opened this gift, it was this little police car, Paw Patrol, I guess it's called. Uh, I'd never really even heard of it, but uh, you press the little button, and the car lights up and makes all types of siren noises, and there's a little doggie that rides in there, uh, and it was a pretty cool. You know, all the other gifts whatever you know set them aside especially the clothes who cares but this gift as soon as one grandson started playing with it the other one was just staring at him the whole time and as soon as he got distracted that was in the other one's hands and as soon and then it, it reversed he was watching him play the whole time and then as soon as he got distracted it was in his hands finally my wife put it up on the top of the refrigerator and said we'll play with some other things for a while but uh sharing does not come natural and sadly it does not always come natural for us as christians to share the things that god has blessed us with with others but i think you'll see that uh, happening here in the life of Paul in Acts chapter 22. So here we go. Um, here we go. Boomba. Uh, verse number three is where I'll start. Now, Paul has already said that uh, he talked to them in Hebrew, uh, or Luke wrote, but Paul talked to them in Hebrew. When they heard he spoke in Hebrew, they began to listen. They were intent upon hearing Paul's story. And he said, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, uh, but brought in uh, up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Let me uh, mention for a second this. Gamaliel is the Jew of Jews as far as the Jewish scholar of Jewish scholars. Uh, this guy was the most respected theologian among the Jewish uh, teachers that there could be. Paul learned at his feet. According to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. And then he says, here's what I did. I persecuted this way. Christians. I persecuted Christians to the death. I killed them, binding and delivering them to prison, both men and women. We're not clicking all that well here, fellas. Not sure why. There, we got excited. 
There was a preview of the rest of the sermon. Okay, as the high priests and the whole council of the elders can bear me witness, from them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bounds to Jerusalem to be punished. So he, he first of all just told the story of his life before. He was a religious zealot, really, as far as a Pharisee, master of the law, and then he is persecuting Christians. Now we'll come back to that in a minute. But after this, he goes into more of his story. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying, now he is going to retell the story that's in Acts chapter 9, the story of his conversion in Acts chapter 9. So uh, he heard the voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Do you remember this? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Okay, now again, he went on in much more verses. He retells the whole story, his visit to the house of Ananias, uh, the, the scales on his eyes falling off. He retells the whole story of his conversion. And it says that they listened intently to what he had to say. Now, before we continue with the story, I want you to notice two things about Paul's story, about his testimony uh, that made it so powerful. In fact, the fact that he did have a powerful personal testimony. Perhaps I should have called, uh, I should have said here, the power of authenticity, maybe even more. Because you see, when you're telling your story, it is very hard to argue with you. In other words, you're saying, this is what happened to me. How are you going to argue? I walk my dog uh, every night. A lot of times I run into another fellow from the neighborhood who has a, a collie that he walks. And this collie's a little gimpy, but he's always telling me about the different remedies. Well, the newest one that he's pretty excited about is uh, CBD oil. Okay, so he started giving this to his dog, and now he's taking it himself. And he is saying how wonderful it is, how I ought to try it. Give it to my dog. My dog's fine, but uh, give it to, to and uh, get everything going, you know, get everything going smoothly. He is so sold on it. Now, how can I argue with him? He's saying this works. He's saying this makes me feel better. This makes me sleep better. It makes my dog relax and, and do better. How can I argue with him? That's his story. That's his testimony. There is great power in your story of what happens. So that's what Paul does he tells his story and he tells it with great authenticity as far as uh, the fact that he tells what he did wrong now when you are authentic in authentic in that way you are, are also relatable people connect with your story when you are uh, letting them know that you are for real uh, that you are human and if you think about Paul here for a second, he actually covers a very broad spectrum because on one sense he's saying I was a self-righteous Pharisee, and on the other hand, I was a murderer. He covers the whole thing. All of us have a past. Maybe our past is that self-righteousness and religiosity that has kept us away from God. Maybe our past is wickedness and things like, well, murder uh, would be the extreme, obviously, but different acts of sin that, that uh, separated us from God. But we all have a story, okay? We all have something, you know, um, I was thinking, we were kind of laughing recently about the interview process when I came to be the pastor here. Uh, it was rather extreme, I think, as far as I pretty much had to meet with everybody and answer every question that everybody had. Uh, it was quite intense, I, I got to say. But I remember at one point, I think it was Dennis came up to me and he said, hey, he said, uh, somebody that you used to teach, I taught for 30 years, he said, somebody that you taught uh, said that you got really mad at them. And I thought, I thought, I thought teenagers for 30 years 
if you could find a day when I didn't get really mad, that would be really good. Uh, but uh, I just thought it was amazing, you know. But somehow, sometimes we go back and it's like we have to hide our past. You know, today's things are so scary with, and we, we have to tell our kids and warn them uh, about the mistakes that they make that show up online and that are going to be follow them. And, and later on, people are going to find them and look them up and every, everything like that. But an authenticity about it and when we do wrong to just say, hey, yes, I did. I did wrong. Paul said, I was self-righteous. Paul said, I was a murderer. These are the things. I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth here. There is great power just in us telling our true story. We'll come back to that a little bit, but I want you to see a second thing that, that connects with that. Uh, since he had problems, since he had a past that he wasn't too proud of, the important thing is that he could point to the presence of a true hero. Paul was not the hero of his own story. Paul was not the hero of his testimony. Jesus Christ is. And uh, when we allow, you know, allow Jesus and we, we focus on who he is, Jesus gives hope to our story. All right? So let's, uh, that's what he does. He introduces Jesus, the, the meeting on Damascus Road. Jesus is the one that changed my life. I love couple different stories in the Bible where people testify about Jesus, where people share their faith in very simple phrases. The woman at the well who, after meeting with Jesus, ran in and simply said, come see a man. I love those words. Come see a man. I don't know theology. I can't tell you the Romans road, but come see a man that talked to me and changed my life. I love the blind man who said, I, I, I don't know what you're asking me, but uh, all I know is I used to be blind, but now I see. This is what Jesus has done in my life. You know, so often we think that somehow our pious behavior is going to attract people. Our real behavior is going to attract people. And, you know, just simply saying, hey, this is the difference that Jesus Christ has made in my life. Again, we have that personal story. We're pointing to this hero. It is undeniable. Um, I was uh, remembering a time back when I was in college, and uh, a friend and I were I forget even exactly where we were. I just remember that somebody in the context offered us drugs. And my friend right away said, we do not do drugs. We are Christians. Now, that's a good answer. You know, we do not do, do drugs. We are Christian. But I remember the guy was like, he's a Christian. He does not do drugs. Here's a better answer if we'd have had it at the time. What if we'd have said, God has given me a great life. I don't need to escape it. And I, and I point to Jesus in that in that way, but I think uh, you know I think if we, if we can look at Paul's story, look what he does. First of all, he's real; he tells the truth about himself. Secondly, after the truth about himself, he says, "I have a hero. I have a real hero, and that hero is Jesus Christ." But let's go on a little bit. I mean, so far Paul's been giving his testimony, and things are going splendidly. Okay, uh, people are listening; it's all going well. But let's look at this. Verse number 21, after he's finished his story, the last part he says, he says, God said to me, he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Okay, so Paul's still testifying. He's telling the story of what God has done in his life. Here's the last thing he says, go, and I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now, look what happens. Up to this word, up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he shall not be allowed to live. Okay? Up till this word. Now, I want to uh, 
suggests that there's a problem that arises sometimes when we are intensely following the Lord, when we are radically following the Lord. But in this case, it, it really is tied to a word. It says, with this word. Do you know what that word was in this case? Gentiles. Once he said that, the crowd was no longer listening anymore. They had been listening intently, but no, not if you're going to talk about the Gentiles. You see, I'm not sure if we comprehend the hatred that there was towards the Gentiles. Some of you might remember the story of Jonah in the Old Testament and how God had called him to go to Nineveh. And he said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Those people there are wicked. The Gentiles there are wicked. And even after the whole big fish incident and the spitting up and everything like that, and, then, and he goes and delivers his little message, that God, heartless message, but the truth, and the people repent, then he's mad because they repented and they wouldn't get judged by God. I mean, he hated these people. He did not want to, want to see them uh, come to know the Lord. He did not want to see them know forgiveness. And apparently, this feeling is still alive. Because once Paul says, I'm going to go to the Gentiles, they said, get away, get this guy out of here. He doesn't even deserve to live. Jesus did have a totally different approach to the Gentiles. In fact, I didn't know that this till this week. When Jesus cleared the temple, the place that he cleared was the court of the Gentiles that they had created there. The temple was to have that, uh, to welcome in the Gentiles. But that's where they had set up this business that they were running that Jesus cleared out of, out of the way and said, my house shall be a, a house of prayer, and it will be a house of prayer for them too, apparently. You remember the story that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan and how there was a Jewish priest who walked by and another Jewish man who walked by. But then you have the Good Samaritan. You have the Gentile that walks by. Totally uh, different story. And Jesus calls us past our prejudices with that statement. And what I, I want us to understand is as Paul took his story, as Paul took what God had done in his life and he shared it beyond with others and he shared it particularly with the Gentiles, I want us to remember that God has blessed us so that we can bless others. God does not pour goodness into our lives so that it can be hoarded. God blesses us so that we can bless others. I want you to see this verse, or a couple verses here, in the book of Psalms uh, 67, 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Why? That you, your way, your way, God, may be known on the earth and your saving power among all the nations. God, you pour your blessing into our lives so that we can pass that blessing along so that we can share that story. There's a, uh, it, it's got a fascinating story, but it's kind of a sad story in the book of Kings, uh, chapters 6 and 7. I'm sorry, 2 Kings. But uh, some of you might remember the name Ben-Hadad, just kind of a cool-sounding name. It's, it's a story here of the, uh, when Syria had, had laid siege to a city. And um, they had they totally cut them off. They said things inside were so bad. I forget the exact price, but they were talking about how much a donkey's head would sell for because food was so rare. They were uh, charging exorbitant prices for a donkey's head to eat it. And then things got even worse. They talked about two mothers who uh, were so hungry that they said, okay, let's make a deal here. We'll eat my son first, and then we'll eat yours. And they ate the first one, uh, but when it came time for the second one, she hit it, and there was a big uh, confusion. So that's how bad things were in this city as Syria had them under siege, as they had them cut off. Well, the story is told of four men who were lepers, and uh, they had been kicked out of the city, so they lived just outside the gate of the city. And they got uh, to the place where they, were, they knew they were going to die. We can't go back in the city. If we did, they're going to kill us anyway. But we're not even allowed to go in there. We're starving to death here. There's nothing to eat whatsoever. We got nothing to lose. Why don't we go to the attackers? Why don't we go to the Syrians? 
and, uh, and just see. See what they say. See what they do. Worst case scenario, they kill us. That's going to happen anyway. No big deal. But as the story goes, somehow as they were walking out there, the Syrians heard them. I don't know if their feet cracking limbs or whatever happened, but the Syrians got in their mind that there was an army coming. Uh, they, they started, you know, they heard some sounds and they said, oh, no, and I, I think I hear horses coming and there's an army coming. And they took off. The siege ended. They ran away. And here's these four lepers, and they start, you know, they can start going in these different tents, and hey, here's some money here, and hey, here's some pizza. Well, maybe not pizza, but they found food. And, uh, and they begin to say, hey, this is great, and they're eating the food and everything like that. And the, and the story, again, this is in uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, uh, where they say, hey, you know what? What we're doing here isn't right. We need to go back and tell them in the city. We need to let them know of our blessing. We need to let them know of our good fortune. If you can kind of think through that as an illustration of our life and just say sometimes what we're doing in hoarding the truth of Jesus Christ, what I am doing in hoarding uh, the goodness that he has poured into my life, what I am doing is hoarding in hoarding the message of salvation and holding on to it, what I'm doing here isn't good. What I'm doing here is not, get, is not right. For from the very beginning, God gave this message to be shared. Uh, God told Abraham back in um, Genesis 18 and also in 22 that I am going to bless you so that through you all the nations of the earth would be blessed. He repeated that promise in Genesis 26 to Isaac and again to Jacob in chapter 28. He commissioned us as his children in the Gospels to take the world, uh, I'm sorry, take the Gospel into all the world, uh, teaching, baptizing, uh, discipling people in the name of Jesus Christ. This is what we are called to do. Very simply, again, if I can Get this phrase in your head this day. We are blessed to bless. So how do I share this gospel? How do I share this message? I don't know how else to say this, but we all know the weirdo, okay? You know what I mean? The, uh, the person they're going to make fun of on a skit on Saturday Night Live because he's always talking about Jesus, and he just comes across as a weirdo, and he alienates people. And none of us have a real desire to be a weirdo. So I want to I talk to you about that for a minute and, and just talk about how we can avoid. <laughs> you, say, you might not be the right person to be talking about how to avoid being a weirdo, but, but I'm going to give it a shot. One thing I was going to say, and this, this is weird just here. I'm going to recommend a book I haven't read yet. I have had this book recommended to me by so many people. I've ordered it. Uh, I think they told me it's still a couple weeks in coming. But there's a book out now called Gentle and Lowly. It's written by a guy by the name of Ortland. And uh, I, they, they just said this is phenomenal as far as seeing how Jesus related to people and how he connected with the people, how Jesus loved people. So anyway, I, I wanted to mention that that might be a good thing to get a hold of, uh, gentle and lowly. But I think, let, let's go back to what Paul did again. If we're going to share the gospel, if we're going to share Jesus with people, we're going to have to share our story and we're going to have to share the real story. We need to act real. Okay, was that stupid? It was supposed to be. I have a little note by it. Look stupid when you say that. Act real. That doesn't make any sense. You cannot act real. It just doesn't go together. Uh, you can be real, but you cannot simply act real. So I want to encourage you with the idea that the secret <laughs> to coming across as genuine, the secret to having the type of testimony Paul had is to be real, to be yourself. Just genuine, hey, hey you know, as I walk with the Lord, uh, the things he changes, the weaknesses that I know I have, just be real, just be who you are. This is who God wants to use. 
You have a past. We all do. And you don't have every answer that, to the questions that people are going to ask. None of us do. But if I can proclaim sincerely that Jesus Christ is the hero of my life, that he is the hero of my story, and in that way I can share my story. I can share the story that God has given me. I want to pray today for you. I want to pray first of all that that is your story. That the story of your life is that Jesus Christ is the hero. Once I was lost, I did not know God. I was separated from God because of sin. Maybe that sin is, was self-righteousness and, and I thought religion would fill it. I was over there in the way, one way that Paul was. Maybe that sin was wicked behavior that I associate. But one way or another, I was separated from God in need of a Savior. I'm going to pray that your story, if it is not already, would be that on this day, on this day, that would become your story. Jesus Christ came to the rescue. Jesus Christ became my Savior. Jesus Christ became the hero of my life. And secondly, I'm going to pray that we will share our stories boldly. That we will proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to others. And again, let's look at Paul's example here. How did he do it? With reality. Just, just tell them the truth. This is what Jesus has done in my life. Come see a man. I once was blind, but now I see. Father in heaven, would you please um, indeed show that person that might be listening right now that doesn't have this story. They, you haven't written in their life salvation. Show them their need to come to you to ask you for forgiveness to ask you to be a personal savior lord would you begin that story in their life today and father may the rest of us take that story that you're writing in our lives and and share it proclaim it freely lord may we not hold on to it may we re-gift the incredible blessing that you have poured into our lives in so many different areas i pray in your powerful name amen You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.